Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning, so let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along as we study God's Word. And uh, we believe that God speaks to us through His Word, and we have been studying the Bible together. In fact, over these past couple of weeks, we have been looking at the letter that Peter wrote to the churches and encouraging them to stand firm. In fact, that was the theme that we've been focusing on. We're going to wrap up our study in 1 Peter, and then next week we're going to jump right into 2 Peter and just follow through and understanding how, how Peter is encouraging the church to stand firm in their faith in Jesus. We've also touched on a couple of other themes that uh, Peter encourages the church to stand firm in, in suffering and in persecution and in trial. In fact, last week we looked at the impact of suffering in our lives. And usually when we study suffering or other themes, we are given an opportunity to put it into practice the coming week. So hopefully you didn't have too much intense pressures and suffering in your life. I know I've talked to a couple of you where you were able to put some of these things into practice right away. And we talked last week about how when we're following Jesus and we experience suffering, that it changes and impacts the way that we speak about our faith, the way that we think, the way that we act, as well as the way that we feel, our emotions. Peter encourages the church that we can have exceeding joy because of the purpose that God is working in our lives to bring about his character and, um, and, and, and his life as we go through these challenges. But today we're going to be wrapping up First Peter, looking at this farewell greeting to the church. And we're going to be focusing in on this theme of a healthy church. Peter identifies for us some principles in identifying what a healthy church looks like. And so the point that we want to remember today is that a healthy church, in two things, one, submits to God, and then secondly, resists Satan. So submits to God and resists Satan. That's the main point that we want to remember today, but we're going to see this in four ways as we read through the text and study it this morning. And that is, uh, Peter is going to encourage the leaders of the church to serve selflessly. Secondly, we're going to see Peter remind church members, all of us, to walk in humility. Third, we're going to see that Peter warns the church about the attacks of the adversary, Satan. So we should arm ourselves as soldiers of Christ. And then lastly, we're going to see that Peter asks God to strengthen uh, the body of Christ, Christians, followers, when they experience suffering in their lives. And so uh, there's a lot to get to. We're going to pick up our story in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 5, and then at the end of our study this morning, we're going to partake of communion together. 
So verse 1 of chapter 5 says, The elders who are among you, I exhort you, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. And in verse 2 we see what he's exhorting and encouraging the leaders of the church to do. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So in these opening verses, Peter is exhorting. He uses that word, which is the strong word of, of, of challenge, of kind of like pay attention. Leaders, this is important. I'm urging you to do a couple of things. He exhorts these leaders of the church. He calls them elders. And this word elder is used interchangeably in the New Testament to describe pastors, uh, leaders in the church. Some of the other words that we uh, get is bishop and, and deacon, elder, these are spiritual leaders. In fact, uh, offices that God has designed and even initiated in the church for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So there's this sense of the elders being spiritually mature, these overseers uh, of church matters. And so he's encouraging them and exhorting them in a couple of things. But he also identifies himself as, as an elder somebody who is, is serving in that capacity for the church. And we know that, that Peter witnessed and, and saw uh, Jesus model many of these principles that he encourages servant leaders in the church to, to model and, and to be an example. Uh, in fact, Jesus said of himself, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In fact, there was a time where some of the disciples and the apostles were talking among themselves who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus turned and said uh, that greatness is completely different from the world in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, learn to be a servant of all. For whoever is first will be last and whoever is last will be first. And so there's this, there's this principle that Jesus not only models in his life and ministry, but also encourages each of us to do, I would say broadly speaking, I think this is a, a principle for us as followers of Jesus to be servant-minded because even Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 2, speaking of Jesus, that his humble servant attitude, the mind of Christ, should be the same mind that you and I take on as we humble ourselves and become obedient to, to Jesus. And so he encourages them and to partake of this glory that is revealed in verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. And when you look at shepherds, uh, you know, generally speaking, they care for, they tend, they nourish, they protect. You look at one of the most famous Psalms in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And it goes on to talk about David speaking uh, from firsthand experience of being a shepherd, caring for physical real sheep in the pasture to making the spiritual analogy of how we are the flock of God and we are the sheep of, of, of God and that Jesus is uh, the good shepherd. In fact, Jesus said of himself, I am the good shepherd. And Peter also already told us in uh, chapter 2 verse 25 that, that Jesus is the overseer and shepherd of our souls. So 
uh, Peter is, is, is giving leaders in the church an important principle. And the first principle is that the body of Christ, the flock of God, they belong to God. They don't belong to a pastor. Notice the wording there in verse 2, the flock of God. It's not the flock of Sherwood. It's not the flock of Quest. It's the flock of God. You and I, as the sheep of God, we belong to him. And don't let anybody else say otherwise. Uh, Because Peter goes on to talk about not being those who lord over in position and authority and power. And the idea there is that some people, maybe false teachers or, or people who look at a leadership position in the church as a way to have influence and control for domination, for manipulation, or for intimidation. And Peter is saying the opposite should be the case of servant leaders in the church, that there should be a selfless service in the life of those who minister to other people. And the idea there is to shepherd. It means that servant leaders in the church have a divine calling to feed, to protect, to care for. Uh, you remember uh, Peter after, well, before when Jesus was, was being, um, uh, when Jesus was on trial and Peter denied Jesus three times and he went away weeping and after Jesus uh, Uh, resurrected from the dead he went straight to Peter and he appeared to Peter and he had a conversation with Peter and he said Peter do you love me and that probably just broke Peter's heart because he obviously loved Jesus he loved him so much And, and Jesus asked Peter three times do you love me and in response Peter said of course you know I love you and Jesus said to Peter well if you love me feed my lambs and tend to my sheep The very last words that Jesus spoke to Peter before he ascended up into heaven was the commission and the call to feed the flock of God. And for leaders and pastors, elders and teachers, is to feed people with God's word, to nourish them, and to spiritually nourish them with God's word, to protect them and to care for them. But do it as an example. Notice that he uses the word there, not out of compulsion, but as an example to the flock. And that's pretty humbling in a position of servant leadership because many people put these types of leaders up on pedestals. We think, well, those leaders, they're, they've, they've got it all together and they've got it all figured out and they're close to God. And well, actually the opposite is true because if you look at Peter's life, You see that here was a man who was commissioned and called by by God to tend and nourish the flock of God, but yet he was flawed. Every single leader that you see, every pastor, every elder you see is flawed and has some brokenness in their lives. And so the, the, the principle here is to be an example, meaning that if you're in a position of servant leadership, then you're not a hypocrite and you don't put a filter on nowadays we got all these these Instagram filters where we can make our blemishes look so much better than they really are and that's not what leaders do we don't put a filter over our lives but we expose them and we're among the flock because the flock does not belong to pastors or elders it belongs to God 
However, notice what verse 3 says, that God has then entrusted the pastors and the elders with the care and the nurturing and the protection of the flock. There's another scripture that puts strikes fear of God into me. It says that not, let not many of you be teachers because you know that there'll be a stricter judgment for those who speak before God's people. And there are many people who want the position. There are many people who want the platform. There are many people who want the authority, but they don't want the lowliness. They don't want the humility. They don't want the accountability. They don't want the openness. They don't want the responsibility before the Lord. And that's a very humbling thing. You see, when you have faithful, humble, biblical, prayerful, servant pastors, elders, and leaders in your church, then that is something to be celebrated. That is something to see that Jesus is alive and well and to pray for and to encourage those leaders as they point to the chief shepherd, right? So we have the encouragement for servant leaders to feed but also to lead. And there's one principle that I've tried to live my life after is that if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And if you get to a point where you say, well, yeah, I've done that. I've graduated from serving in that capacity. Then you have been overlooked for the position. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you because Jesus is looking for authentic, genuine, humble, servant leaders selflessly living as an example. And that means to open up our lives before other people and to say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just as broken. I need just as much grace. The other thing is that, the other side of it is that we as leaders should be very careful about the things that we say. Because if we are encouraging people to do one thing, but we are unwilling to do them ourselves, then that is the, just the perfect example of hypocrisy. So if we're encouraging people to pray and we're not praying, oh my, what, what's going on there? If we're encouraging people to give generously to the Lord and we're not giving generously to the Lord ourselves, there's something wrong there. If we're encouraging people to participate in the mission and, and heart of God and we're not participating in the mission and heart of God, you see it's the, it's the connection, it's the example of living that, which is, it strikes fear in, into me, but I know that the other side is that sometimes people will serve in these positions because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel good to say, oh, pastor, that was a really great message. Whew, you were really on fire. And maybe that's encouraging. And I'm not saying, you know, don't say those things to encourage your pastors. But some people live for that. Some people, some, some, some leaders Mondays are in the ditch because they didn't get the applause on Sunday. But you see, if we are as leaders, serving in these positions to get the applause and the approval of people, then as the Bible says, we wouldn't be bond servants of Jesus Christ. And so we serve the Lord. And that means we say things maybe that are true to the scriptures, but that might be painful to the heart. And so there's this encouragement that, that Peter gives to the elders and the pastors in a healthy church to live and to model. But he also says, even though you might not get the approval of people, you will get the applause of God one day. 
Notice what he says here. There's a crown. That's pretty awesome. And we're told in the book of Revelation, well, we're just going to take those crowns and throw them at the feet of Jesus. But leaders are promised, servant leaders in this capacity, are promised a special blessing for their faithful service. So if you serve in a capacity of leadership that the Lord has called and and appointed you, then that is a good work. That is a, a great work. And God sees. And that the crown is a mark of victorious achievement. There's a couple of crowns in the Bible. There's a crown of glory. There's a crown of life. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of rejoicing. So while you might not receive the applause now, the Lord Jesus sees your service. He honors your service and he strengthens you for that work. So if you and I have in our church body, in the flock of God, entrusted by the Lord those servant leaders who are tending, feeding us the word of God, who are caring for our souls, who are protecting us from false teaching, who are ministering to us, then Peter says in verse 5, there should be also a connection between the body. Notice in verse 5 it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Everyone say humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now the word submission isn't anything new in Peter's letter. He's spoken a lot about this. He's told us in the previous chapter that a submissive life is a part of the will of God. That we are submissive to governing authorities because God has instituted those to maintain rule and order. We submit ourselves to our superiors and managers in our work experience because that brings glory and honor to God. We submit ourselves in our marriage relationship between husband and wife because it's the order in which God has designed it. We submit ourselves one to another in the body of Christ so that we can encourage and edify and build one another up. But we also see Peter encourage the church body to willfully and joyfully and be to be, uh, willfully and joyfully submit ourselves to the leadership in which God has provided in the church because they care for us. They nurture us. They support us. They pray for us and they lift us up. So this idea of submitting is a responsibility one to another in the body of Christ, the flock of God, shepherds that he's Um, that he is appointed. There's a willingness to forfeit our agendas in order to cheerfully follow God's. It's the idea of unity, really. And Jesus prayed for the church that we would be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And the way that we are unified together, submitting one to another, is to clothe ourselves with humility. I love these verses. These are great verses to just underline and and memorize and, and, and remember because the opposite of humility is pride. And I would say, just based on 25 years of ministry and pastoral ministry, I believe that pride is the greatest enemy to any work of God. We see that with Satan from the very beginning. We see that with Adam and Eve in the garden. That I would much rather be a part of somebody who might not have the greatest ability, but has a humble heart, than somebody who has the greatest ability and is full of pride. I think it is a great tragedy for somebody who has great ability but is deficient of humility. 
And Peter is encouraging all of us to be clothed. You know this word clothed uh, has the idea of putting on a servant's apron. That was the idea of this word. So when you put on like, an, like a clothing attire that identifies you as somebody who is going to take on the lowliest positions and the littlest and most insignificant tasks. That was the idea. When you have the servant's apron on, oh, well, they weren't important. They, they were just off to the side. And yet, that's the most important thing. As Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but to, to serve and to give my life. So if we want to live in God's grace, you and I are encouraged in these verses to lay aside the pride. Lay aside the pride because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. It's the idea of being others-centered, not self-centered. I think that grace and pride are bitter enemies constantly at war against one another. But notice, if we are submitting, if we are following, if we are living, if we're clothing ourselves with this type of humility, then we see that God raises us up. He lifts us up. You see, God is wanting to make something of those willing to be nothing for him. If we're willing to be nothing no recognition, no acknowledgement, no position, no title, then God is willing and wanting to lift us up and to use us in mighty ways for his glory and for his purpose. And then lastly in these verses, for the church members, a healthy church is submitting to the leadership, the godly servant leadership that, that, that God has instituted in the body, but a healthy church is also a church that is clothed with humility, grace, and compassion, and consideration, and care for others in the body of Christ. And then a healthy church is also casting those cares and burdens upon the Lord. Now, as a fisherman, I love this word. I love this verse, cast. There you go. If you're a fisherman, let's do it. We cast our cares upon the Lord. Now, if you are a fisherman, then you know that you can throw that line really far based on the weight that you have on the end of that line, or if you're a fly fisherman like me, based on the weight of the fly line. So the heavier the weight or the heavier the line, the further out you can cast the line. And I love that because some of us, from time to time, we have a lot of weights and a lot of cares and a lot of burdens and a lot of uh, concerns and we're told and encouraged in this, ver- in this verse to cast those cares. You know this word cast, it's an energetic, it's a full of vigor. The idea of throwing far away from you. Now when you're fishing, you want to bring that line back. But let me encourage you, if you've got a burden right now, a weight, the idea here is cares upon you. Jesus says, if anyone is weary or heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Cast your cares and and your burdens upon him because God will pick up your burdens the moment we lay them down to him. You might be thinking, well, my burdens are pretty heavy. My cares and concerns and worries and anxieties are are, are pretty, pretty heavy. Let me just say that there is no burden too heavy for the Lord to carry. He'll pick them up. His shoulders are strong enough. To carry you and carry your burdens. 
And so the idea is, for us spiritually speaking, when you cast those things upon the Lord, just cut the line. (laughs) Don't reel back those burdens and just keep casting and reeling, casting and reeling. No, cut it off. Leave them with the Lord. Let the weight sink to the bottom. Just gone. You're never going to find it anymore when you cast those burdens upon the Lord. And that's important because Peter goes on to tell us about the spiritual attacks and warfare that happen in our lives. Notice we are encouraged here in verse 9 to be vigilant and sober. Notice verse, excuse me, verse 8. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Remember, he's talking to the church. Part of a healthy church are those who are not constantly carrying those burdens, but unloading them to the Lord, walking in humility. But a healthy church also is on the alert for the attacks of the enemy. The Bible tells us that the devil is the father of all lies, that he's here described as a lion, a roaring lion. And while Satan's roars may be potent with lies, his teeth has been crushed by the power of Jesus. He has no power to crush you and I, but it's in the power of the lies. In fact, as a roaring lion, he's looking to devour, to kill, steal, and destroy you and I and our faith and our relationship with God. He is a malicious enemy who maligns you and I as followers of Jesus with these meticulous lies, constantly lying against you and against me, against us. Looking to devour. How does he do that? Well, you look at, watch some of those nature videos and you see the lions. They take down the wildebeest or the deer or whatever it is, those that are distracted, those that are diseased, and those that are detached from the herd. The same thing is true spiritually speaking. When we're distracted with all of the things, filled up with ego and pride, weighed down by the worries and concerns of life, then we can't run as fast. We're vulnerable. In fact, the Bible says we don't have to run. We don't have to run from Satan. We can stand our ground to resist him. But the idea is if we're, we're distracted, then the enemy, roaring lion, lurking around in our lives, He can take us down. If we're diseased, if we're spiritually malnourished in the word of God, not growing in our faith, then there can be a sudden quick uh, quick taking down. Maybe we're even detached. Also, I found that there's strength when we're together as the body of Christ. Why? Because there's support. Praying for one another. We're encouraging one another. The same is true spiritually speaking. Satan wants to devour you and I when we're distracted with the things of this world, when we're diseased because we we aren't rich and strong and and nourished in God's word, and when we're detached from fellowship and the body of Christ and the flock of God, we become vulnerable to the attacks. But we're told that we can resist Satan. You see, the way that you and I resist the devil is to remain steadfast in the word of God. He says that we can resist him 
steadfast in our faith because of what Jesus has done for us. And then I'm just going to close with this in wrapping up uh, chapter 5 and speaking of the principles or the themes of a, of a healthy church. And really, friends, this is what I pray for, for our church. I pray for us. I pray for my, my own heart that I'd be humble and close to the Lord living a life of authenticity and an example as well as our other pastors and our other servant leaders who are leading ministries and who are serving in these capacities. But I also pray for our church that we would be humble, that we would be unified. I pray also for the protection of our church because I know I've talked with many of you that you feel like there is a lion after you right now. He's ready to pounce. In fact, 1 John tells us that we should be careful because he's like a pouncing lion. Don't give him even a foothold because at any moment he can jump on you and I. And I know that sometimes you feel like you're just being devoured. You're being ripped apart by Satan. And then Peter goes on to talk about those sufferings that we experience as a way for God to protect us. Notice he ends with a prayer. He says in verse 10, But may the God of grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, oh, there's a part of Christianity, there's a part of following God, that there will be suffering, but it's for a while. Notice the duration. In light of eternity, the things that we go through, I know it's hard to say that right now, but in light of eternity, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. But we know that God is doing a big thing in our hearts as we go through them. If you've suffered a while, God will, I love these words, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he closes with a couple of uh, encouragements for some of those who were helping him and ministering to him uh, and the church. And I just love these, these words of what God is going to do for you and I. Peter asks God to strengthen those who suffer spiritually. If you're going through the ringer, so to speak. If you're getting punched from the left and from the right through suffering. We see that God's purposes realized in the future require some pain in the present. Those promises realized in the future require us to walk through some pain in the present. But the dynamics of it, as Peter prays, is that we are personally perfected by God even while we are being persistently pummeled by Satan. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're just being pummeled by Satan? Just going through it? Well, the scriptures here remind us that God is perfecting us and settling us. I don't know if that would describe you today, if you feel settled. Usually when I'm going through things and suffering and experience that Peter has talked about to the church in his letter, I don't feel settled. I feel uh, just nervous and anxious and unsettled. But here in this prayer of Peter, Jesus promises to settle the heart that wrestles with the hardships of life. If you're wrestling with things, then here is a great verse to remember. Circle it and underline it. Tuck it in your heart because God will perfect and establish 
and strengthen and settle you in the suffering you're experiencing for his purpose and for his glory. So we're going to ask the worship team to come on up and close us here in, in a closing song. We are going to partake of communion together this morning. And just stay with me here because I want to talk just briefly about some takeaways for us. One is, would you join me in praying for our church to be healthy in these four areas? Would you commit to praying for our pastors and our elders and our servant leaders? They're vulnerable to the attacks like anybody else. They are normal, everyday people, just like anybody else. They also need the prayer and the support of the body because of the role and the responsibility they've been entrusted to for the care and the nurturing of your souls. So would you commit to praying for them? Would you also commit to clothing ourselves with humility, laying aside pride, putting aside any agendas that we may have so that we can follow the agenda of God? But also would you pray that God would protect our church? That he'd protect us from Satan who wants to come in and divide us. You pray uh, against Satan's tactics who wants to distract us. And you would also pray for one another, to come alongside one another, because I know you know somebody who's going through a hard time. They're going through a challenge. And would you commit to praying and supporting and encouraging them with the hope of Jesus as they go through these trials? That truly is a mark of a healthy church. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you that you modeled for us during that last supper that you celebrated with your disciples. You put on the servant's apron. You clothed yourself with the servant's towel. Here is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if Jesus did that for us, you call us to do the same for one another. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your example. And I pray for these precious people in this room, as well as those who are joining us online or listening to this message later. Lord, they are precious to you and they belong to you. And as the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, you know the condition of your flock better than I do. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect those who need protection. I pray that you would nourish and feed those who need spiritual strength. I pray that you would warn those who are getting a little too close to some cliffs. I pray as in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff protect me. Maybe there's uh, some discipline that needs to take place. Lord, you know, some discipline to get your flock back on the right track. But you also say that my sheep will hear my voice. And if you're not a part of the flock of God, I want to encourage you today to enter in through the gate. Jesus says, I'm the gate. Come in. And you'll find green pasture, comfort, and protection. And thank you that it's through what you've done on the cross for us, Jesus, that enables us to come into 
presence of God, enables us to be forgiven of our sins. So in the quietness of your own heart today, if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I need you. Yes, Jesus, I acknowledge my sin. Yes, Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd, the shepherd of my soul. Yes, Jesus, I want to be made new and born again. Thank you for your work on the cross. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.